Brian usually sits on this side. Yeah. So when we do the podcast, Brian's here, I'm there, and Rick's there, and right. we don't. I and that Jeff does this for the GT podcast. Yeah, I don't right. do this. Right. So uh, the easiest way to find <laughs> out which ones are which is we can just feed back to where. Well, no, I I right. think I got it because one's going, three's going, and four's going. Yeah, because I'm four. I know I'm four. You're I'm, four. I'm mm-hmm. three. I can see the cable. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. We're good. Yeah. So, hey guys, this is Dead's on the podcast. Uh, I'm Rick. Brian is not here today. Um, we actually have Rick from Thunderford Studios with us, and we also have Alex from Rest Nova. Yep. And we are here to talk about Warzone Eternal. Welcome to the Dead Zone Podcast. Dead Zone is the sci-fi table top. What is that? Well, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's a big loaded question. First off, I think that, I think before we even get to that, we was like, "Who are you? Who is Alex? <laughs> Who is Alex? And what is Resnova Games?" Absolutely. Um, so Alex Knaus, I am the uh, president of Resnova Games, which is kind of a big title for a very small company. <laughs> um, but uh, Resnova is a small publisher based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, we're currently working on bringing out Wars on Eternal, which is a new miniatures game set in the Mutant Chronicles universe. Awesome. Very cool. So, Alex, how long have you been in gaming? Um, <laughs> Since you wore swaddling clothes? Yeah, exactly. I don't think I ever did. I'm not that old. I, I, think, I think by the time I was young, we moved beyond swaddling clothes. Oh, just me. Yeah, just uh, you, Rich. Just you, yes. Uh, no, about, about three decades now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So what got you into it? Uh, finding a uh, Dungeons & Dragons basic uh, box set in the basement. Because my dad was a big <laughs> fan of um, Lord of the Rings. And okay. my mom was like, well, I don't know what this D&D thing is. This looks cool. Bought it for him. And then it sat in the basement for like 10 years. Nice. Oh. And then I was a little nerd and was reading The Hobbit. And I walked out and I saw this really cool picture on a box set and said, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Opened it up and uh, yeah, now here I am. You know, thirty years later. So was that the red box with Larry Elmore's? No, dragon? the preceding one. That oh, kind of like the pinkish. pinkish yeah. yeah, with the <laughs> with the I think it's a La Force art uh, where it has like the serpent coming out of like an acidy thing and it has yep. the, the wizard and the uh, warrior and yep. going up some stairs. Yep, exactly yeah, it's right. A great box. Yep, it is. Yeah. yeah so wow. by the time I opened that up. Um, and thought this is cool. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, the Elmore, the the Beckme line was mm-hmm. out. So my next one okay. was the expert set. Oh from, yeah. From the Beckme with, line with Isle of Dread. Yeah, exactly. So most of your gaming is role playing then. Uh, well, it was the start. Okay. And then probably I don't know maybe seven eight years after I started role playing, 
started increasingly had seen miniatures, right? Roll yeah. Arthur miniatures, Grenadier miniatures, thought they were really cool for role playing. Um, and then I wandered into a shop one time when somebody was playing, I, th- I think, a game of Warhammer Fantasy. Okay. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what is this? And yeah, and that was it. Um, and so it's, I, I've gotten much more back into role playing in the last, you know, 10 years. I okay. think a lot of us have. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been primarily miniatures games for 25 years or so. Wow. That's crazy. 25 I, years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think about gaming and a hobby, to, to stick to something for that long is pretty impressive. But the thing is, is where do you, what was the steps that you took to go from hobbyist now owning a company and why yeah and so you play games just like the rest of us um and at some point you decided you wanted to have your own company is it like walk us through that because that's crazy yeah well i mean so i I would actually say that it's probably not super crazy right because i think i think the step is pretty small okay you, you sit down with any group of of gamers whether they're people that just got done with the D&D session or people that just got done playing, you know, a, a game of fantasy battle or 40K. Well, I guess fantasy battle doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. So, you <laughs> know, but they can play Kings of War. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, you know, a group gets done playing anything, right? Yeah. And there's always one or two people there who's uh, dissecting the experience and not like why they won or lost, but things that they don't like about the, uh, about you know the gameplay experience, like wouldn't yeah. it be cool if there was a phase that you could do this? Or, yeah. Or I mean, I really wish that you know this was written slightly different, and and so that that interest in in talking about tweaking games leads to writing things down in notebooks about tweaking games, <laughs> which turns into man, guys, I want you to try out my homebrew miniatures game. It's it's really awesome, and I think it's better than anything out there. So you were that guy. Yeah, oh, absolutely, okay. I was that guy. Um, and. And, and so then, you know, from there, it's really just a matter of, okay, what, what's the thing that I actually want to produce, right? Because like, okay. I, I think a lot of it is um, you spend the time tweaking things, coming up with ideas, but you don't you don't do anything with them. And th- that's yeah. absolutely fine. I think the, the creative energy that gets released by just exploring the, you know, that aspect sure. of gaming is, is really, I think, I think it's good for people. I think it's where you know, great ideas come from. Uh, but but the step right to actually say yeah. okay now I want to produce something that, I think that's where most people just like uh, I don't no I don't want to do that. <laughs> that's a little too much <laughs> well, that sounds like work yeah <laughs> <laughs> no exactly um so but we had a really cool idea a couple of years ago for a card game okay uh, Dungeon Slayer and nice. we've still been working on it it's had to take uh take a step back because Warzone Eternal has been such a all encompassing project but. You know, with that, we realize, okay, a card game is relatively small. You can produce that without expending massive amounts of resources. Yeah. Uh, it's it's quick to play. takes up a you know, minimal amount of space on a, on a gamer's shelf. So let's start with something like that. Okay. And so that we worked towards that. We've got uh, an amazing artist, uh, Brian Despain. He's worked on just about anything you can imagine in the gaming industry, but also he's a fine artist as well. Um, and so he was doing the artwork for us. Um, one of my buddies is a longtime graphic designer in the game industry and nice. outside of the game industry. So we had this really cool little collective that was almost, believe it or not, almost entirely on our street. Wow. Oh, I mean, wow. Well, that's, I, that's okay. one of the things that, having moved back to Michigan recently, in the last year and a half, <laughs> but I had been gone for 30 years, right? And coming back, I was like, I don't remember there being this much gaming 
in Michigan or gaming adjacent in Michigan. And it's like, I can right now name off 20 different entities in Michigan that are gaming or gaming adjacent. Yep. Well, I, I think there's a lot of it. It's here. crazy. I, I think the amount of professionalism uh, that you see in the game industry in Michigan is absolutely increased. But what I'd say in general is Michigan has been probably one of the, I don't say like holy land, that's totally <laughs> wrong. But, but it is it is 100% been one of the hotbeds for gaming for as long as gaming has really been a larger. Palladium, FASA. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. like if you if you look back and it's funny. Chiasium. There was a, Chiasium, yeah. <laughs> There was a, uh, uh, one of the guys who owned a, a game store back in Metro Detroit that I went to for, for years as I was growing up. I, I had, after he passed away, I ended up looking online, like, you know, just kind of, what, what had Al been up to, right? Yeah. Sto- stories about it. And, and I literally found a newsletter that was produced on, I think it was a monthly or maybe, you know, twice a month basis that was trying to collect reports of all of these, like, very early late 1970s D games that were being played around metro detroit to kind of create like this news and really yeah and so it, huh. it's all these people like hundreds of names in there right wow. and so it's it's this really cool record that you could you could find and i think that there's a reason why there are so many game companies in michigan so many game companies in um southeastern wisconsin right, right? we have to do something when it's snowing correct so, <laughs> I mean, you could so, play hockey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah. You could. You, you could, yeah. Right. You could. You got to find somebody who's going to condition some uh, ice for you, and then you got to tell your parents, uh, I would like to participate in the um, single most expensive uh, sport there is. Yeah. That's about all I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all you did because that's the only thing you – okay, I got all my hockey yes. equipment. I can't do anything else. So. Yeah, Alaska's a little bit colder. <laughs> yeah. That's true. This is Community Pet, and you're listening to Dead Zone, the podcast with Rick and Brian. Uh, that's that's super cool. As far as like that that uh, when you think again about the pedigree of Michigan and gaming, and that you yeah you have entered into that by start starting the company, taking on a, a license that has been around since the mid '90s, early '90s, early '90s. Yeah. So right. how long has the company been alive? Resnova. Yeah. Uh, so we've been, I think it's four years. Okay. It's four years. And four so, years. Okay. I mean, during the entire time, right, we've been in development on something. And so yeah. Dungeon Slayer was the first one. We got really close. We uh, demoed the game. Uh, we exhibited the game at PAX. Oh, okay. Uh, PAX Unplugged twice. Uh, we were at the first exposure playtest hall at Gen Con. Uh, so we had we had moved quite a ways forward with this. Yeah. And, then, and then the opportunity for, for working on the Warzone license came up and... And for me, you know, going back to, I don't know if this is the correct term, but the holy grail license sure. for me, um, when when I found myself uh, in conversations about that and, yeah. and realizing that, well, maybe this is something we could work on, it meant that as much as I really enjoyed what we created for Dungeon Slayer, that that had to be... That had to be backburnered because this this is the this is w- one of the most important IPs. This is the passion. Me. For oh yeah, you. absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, so what is mutant 
Chronicles Warzone. Okay. Um, what is that? Because so is it fantasy? Is it sci-fi? Because so far you've talked a lot about a fantasy mm-hmm. that you grew up with. Yep. So what is Mutant Chronicles? So Mutant Chronicles is a broad intellectual property that was produced by Target Games back in the early nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so it's so it's been around a while. It, it has absolutely. The uh, the game really got its first foothold in the in the industry and the you know the, the gaming community as an RPG. And there have oh, been there okay. been a, a few RPGs prior to that. Uh, they were all Swedish RPGs, uh, mutant mutant rimmed. I, I probably am <laughs> R Y M D. I don't. I, I, all sure. of those were in were in Swedish. Yeah. And 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 as that game continued to evolve one of the things that was evolving with it was the the lore behind it right like what it oh it would be like okay. if dungeons and dragons was going through repeated uh you know editions so let's say from you know D D to first edition ad to second edition ad and each time they did that the world that that uh that game took place in was evolving in turn and not evolving slightly like evolving as in we've rewritten you know entire aspects of it oh right? Okay. And so and so each one of those games was kind of a different iteration and eventually they released a game called Mutant Chronicles. And and Mutant Chronicles was there was a first edition of the RPG, a second edition that came out a little bit later. But it established this um you know, far future sort of dystopian future where uh all humanity for the most part all humanity has escaped Earth. We've despoiled Earth. We've you know <laughs> taken all these okay. resources. I mean, it. I, so here's that. Here's that. Throw that. Throw back to the podcast. So Earth became a dead zone. Yeah, absolutely. Literally, one hundred percent. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I, I, I don't. We've talked to a couple of the people who have who worked on early development for okay. Chronicles. So you know, names like Matt Forback, which a lot of people yeah, in gaming, I know Matt. Know, yeah, I know Matt very well. I think, I think a lot of people do. <laughs> and if you don't know Matt Forback, if you look at your shelf, you probably own a Matt Forback. At product. least, at least one. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Uh, just, just for anybody out there that does not know who he is, he is the lead designer behind the new Marvel sixty six role playing game that Marvel is putting out. Oh, uh, and he, okay. And he's written. Stuff for Star Wars, uh, Marvel, uh, the uh, D, uh, was it DW or the DK books? Yep. yep. The DK books, like the oh, official yeah. guide to Captain America. Yeah, I think he did the, yes. in the, the Marvel character encyclopedia. Yeah. And, yeah. And, oh, wow. But okay. yeah, I, I've joked about with Matt that I, I think he's responsible partially for where I'm at because he, in the 90s, touched on almost every property that I loved. I mean, he, <laughs> he worked on Space Hulk for Games Workshop. Yep. All right. He developed Silent Death for Iron Crown Enterprises. All of these miniatures games that are just like, oh my gosh, these are so amazing, and then there's just a consistent threat. <laughs> yeah, and Forbeck's name just kept coming up. Um, but so I haven't had a chance to talk to some of those guys about what some of their, um, you know, designer, you know, writing philosophies were when they were creating this background. But you know, right. there's sort of like a environmental morality tale happening with you know the basis of Mutant Chronicles, right? We have literally just destroyed the destroyed planet, the planet in our attempt to <laughs> done. Yeah, and so the entities that arose from that are these you know, massive mega corporations okay. that, that each one of them kind of takes on a a certain uh, uh, geographic um, aspect, cultural feel to Culture. them. Yeah, because they all sort of 
stem from different parts of the world that they have now destroyed. <laughs> so they all flee. Um, they establish uh, a massive city on Luna. Luna City becomes you know, the largest city that humanity has ever created. They, right. they begin terraforming the rest of the inner planets. And then eventually, in their, again, their continued desire to expand and to consume more, they, they run into something that, that turns out to be a... Uh, like a like a safeguard, right? Holding back something from an, another dimension, and so oh like, boy. hey, what's this? I don't know, but we're continuing. <laughs> we're just gonna to open it and find yeah, out. We're screwing <laughs> up the rest of the solar system. <laughs> Let's pop the lid, and in doing so, they unleash this thing that disrupts technology. All um, artificial intelligence suddenly turns on humanity. So they're like, whoa, okay. Oh, so kind of almost like a reset button, a little bit. Now you know, from tech, from tech. Yeah, so I, they think about like a reset from a super, super high advanced um, sci-fi future, right? With yeah, with thinking machines that you know, are helping dictate how you know just culture, how communities operate. Now all that goes away. So you you, <laughs> went, you end up going back to a to like a 1980s, 1990s level of technology, right? Oh wow! But with spaceships. So sure, yeah. And so, just the idea of thinking of my daughter and my son going back to the nineties—they yeah. <laughs> wouldn't know what to do. Well, and so you know, one of the things that they did was they—they they really leaned hard into kind of a retro aesthetic, but not like we're not going to be steampunk or we're yeah. not going to be diesel punk, right? We're going to—they really leaned into this sort of like Art Deco. Um, you know, the, the buildings all look like they're from like downtown Detroit or like the Empire yeah. State Building, but blighted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, the, the cars look like, you know, old 1930s um, roadsters. And oh, it just, nice. it's got this really okay. cool kind of, you know, hyper-classy look to a lot of it. But but again, kind of this morality tale, that that's like, this is what you achieve if you work hard for your corporation. Meanwhile, in <laughs> every one of the corporations, there's a, a varying degree of just, you know, absolute destitution. Or, yeah, I think destitution is right that's a, that's a, Yeah. So... Funny story in regards to this whole thing, This as we're painting this picture, right? And when I started talking with Alex and this whole thing with the Mutant Chronicles, and he mentions there's this movie, <laughs> right? Which, is a, which I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen it. I like Thomas Jane. I think he's a fun, <laughs> I think he's a fun actor. Uh, and some of the other actors. And Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yep. Right? Who I love. I think he's amazing. Hellboy, right? Uh, and I was like, I will watch this. <laughs> <laughs> thinking I might learn a little bit more about the history, the backstory, and all the you know the lore of this this um, IP, and I was entertained. I will give it that <laughs> for what it was. I was entertained. Sure. Um, but the but the one thing that I thought was so funny is in the movie everybody's trying to get off world because of the threat of the Dark Legion or whatever the the, the, the bad guy, right? Yeah. And they succeed and they get off planet. Right, because they destroy the key or the the device in the movie, <laughs> whatever, and so they are able to launch off planet, and they show or they they launch the bad guy off planet, but everybody has already kind of left. It was like this one unit left on Earth to kind of stomp out this threat, and they get it off Earth, and it launches up out of the ground into the into space, and it shows a tracking of it going to where the humans have just ran to. So at the very end, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's trajectory is taking it to Mars, where everybody is like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I was like, man, this is just a repeating cycle of just 
pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I will say that that movie took a lot of liberties with the canon. <laughs> That's but, good to know because yeah. I did rewatch it uh, a few months ago. Well, you and... are a stronger person than I am. I think I've seen it once. Okay, to be fair, it was on. <laughs> it was Wait, on the screen. It was on. Like, you didn't put it there? I've never actually seen it. Just it was on, on cable. TV. Wow. That, I've never seen it on cable. It was on cable, I, and it was, I think, TNT. Wow. Well, Completely think, right. Now, think, this is also like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's where I watched <laughs> it, too. But, it, I, but I actually looked it up, but I think it was TNT or one of those like it, American movie classics. It, yeah. <laughs> it was something uh, random. Right? And uh, I think American movie is the only <laughs> accurate descriptor. <laughs> right? But I also feel like I've seen it. Because it's what clicked it in my mind. Oh, I actually should watch this. Is I was watching something that had Ron Perlman in it, Perlman in it, and at the end when it says, "If you like this, you might like these other sh- movies that he's in." Oh, and that yeah. was one of the ones oh, that yeah. like picked up. And I was like, "Oh, hey, yeah, <laughs> we've talked about this." I, they told me I should avoid it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I think that the stove's hot, son. <laughs> You're right. I think you know what's interesting, right? Is you know part of the longevity of this property means that there's a lot of people. Who have worked on it, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Who, who have who have done things that they felt this this was a more authentic interpretation, or we should go in this direction, or it needs a reboot, and and so I, I think you have to be aware of all of it if you right. actually want to do you know tribute to the property do justice. But at some point, you have to decide which of these varying branches <laughs> is the branch that you're going to say is the authoritative one you're going to move forward with. Right. It's wild. So, so which branch did you take? I'm going to say, so <laughs> Warzone Eternal. Yeah. So, and it's called Eternal for a reason. Yeah. Well, and so actually, yeah, we <laughs> went down the, the movie path. I didn't we even, did. We kind of jarred. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me the, just. That's um, what we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think random divergencies is uh, is fine. <laughs> then well, then yeah. you're on the right podcast. Oh, okay. oh so you mean there's going to be more? Maybe. I thought I was just being uh, polite when I said that. Well. seen me you love me you know you want me here you're listening to dead zone the podcast with rick and brian don't turn that dial or i'm coming for you um <laughs> so so uh the mute the role-playing game was, yeah. was really the the big first thing and, and so that did that you know, did pretty well actually at, at that time um and then they started rolling out a number of board games and there was a, a collectible card game right magic exploded so target yeah, yeah. okay let's do a collectible card game and so they producing a game called doom trooper which is an okay game, but it's a game that has actually somehow maintained a really significant following all the way to the point where uh, there's actually a company, Secret Kyle Level, who did a, oh yeah, who did a um, a digital version right. of, huh. of, of Doom Trooper, which is awesome, right? Because now you yeah. get to see them come back, and you know they've took taken a very similar approach where they, the classic art is what inspires them. Uh, so yeah, if any of your listeners are looking for uh, you know a digital card game to play, Doom Troopers out there, and it, it's it's fun, right? It's it's super, <laughs> All right. super straightforward. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an easy to play game. Um, yeah, 
And so, so Doom Trooper came out. That did really well. I think they had five expansions for Doom Trooper. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty big. And then they had a, a number of board games. Uh, one of them, kind of a classic at this point, called Siege of the Citadel. Okay. Uh, that was produced by, it was Pressman, I think, Target worked with. And that was specifically intended to, again, similar to Doom Trooper, following the uh, magic market, Siege of the Citadel was in response to seeing the games like HeroQuest doing really right. well. So, so that, and then in addition to that, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was, was sure, were we supposed to pause? Or, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Do I just keep talking? Yeah, yeah, just keep talking. Okay. Um, and then, and then, really, the last product that they produced, right, is was was Warzone, and Warzone okay. was their tabletop miniatures game set in the Mutant Chronicles universe. Okay. So, Siege of the Citadel had miniatures. There were two other smaller games, uh, Fury of the Clansmen and Blood Berets, which were uh, miniature board games. So, those had miniatures as well. But, but Warzone was the first where they're like, we're gonna we're gonna produce a tabletop miniatures game. We want to bring this universe to the same gaming um, fandom that plays games like 40k and 40K. Warhammer, yeah, and you know, whatever other games were out at the time. Yeah. And so that was Warzone first edition. It did spectacular. Uh, I know that you know in the U.S. I was I was play testing. I was running demos for it. Uh, working with Target at oh, right on. Gen Con, and so we really got to see like each year like. The, the, just the sheer amount of booth space at yeah. Gen Con that Target would take up, watching that grow, was just <laughs> was was a really cool um, benchmark. You yeah, know, to kind of see. So I, I need to like interject real quick for the listeners. When when you say Target, we're not talking about the big box. No, the, 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 <laughs> yeah, the that's probably about the com, point. <laughs> the com, the compa- competitor to Walmart. Right. Target is an I or was an IP holder. Well, so, so Target was it was a publisher. A publisher, yeah. So they a publisher. Okay. Um, yeah, they had a couple other games. Right, in addition to all the Mutant Chronicles property, they had uh, Cult, which was a, a pretty big kind of dark um, like horror. Cthulhu-esque thing. Uh, no, actually, less like Elder Mythos and more um, Hellraiser. Oh, mm. nice. Yeah, okay. it was really cool. All right, and they did I wish a. I hadn't found that one. Back yeah, then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I think, I think somebody produced. A newer version of that RPG. Huh. Nice. And then um, I think there was a cult collectible card game as well. Mm-hmm. And what's what's interesting, right, is that, you know you talk to some people who were really heavily into cult. Some of the Dark Legion. We'll get to the Dark Legion in a second. <laughs> some of the Dark Legion baddies from Wars or from Mutant Chronicles were either inspired by or pulled wholesale out of cult. Oh, okay. Which kind of then creates this like you know cult is supposed to be modern day but with these demonic horrors now these demonic horrors are in war zone <laughs> it's like wait what's you know which reality are we in okay. that sort of thing but um yeah so you know you're right target is not the uh, big right. box retailer they okay. were a uh, i just want to make sure that yep. you know i i knew yep wink wink but i want to make sure that the listeners weren't confused <laughs> no no you're right you're absolutely right i, sh- I should have clarified who they were. yeah so target was a swedish publisher too okay so yeah, so all this was was um, coming out of Sweden, but then they had U.S.-based partners. One of them was Heartbreaker Miniatures. Uh, Heartbreaker Miniatures was started by Bob Watts, who had <laughs> worked for Grenadier, had worked for Games Workshop U.S., uh, basically knew everybody in the, the miniatures game industry. Yeah. And so in partnership between the two, um, he's the one who kind of helped bring Warzone into, into uh, development. Okay. <laughs> 
And so Warzone First Edition did awesome. Then they did a second edition, and it has a big giant box set with like eighty plastic miniatures in it. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was huge. Okay. And at that point, Warzone was at its height of popularity. And I believe the last year that they were around, or maybe it was it was about the same time. Uh, the, the last year they were around, or the first year that second edition came out, very similar time frame. Unfortunately, um, they they were actually outselling Warhammer Fantasy Battle in the United States. Wow. Yeah, that's so a big wow. It's, you're talking about 40K yeah. Warzone. And so... That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, so the, the fact that there are this many you know, passionate fans that are still out there, it's because there was a large player base. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, Target was... And nobody has, obviously, the, the, the real understanding of what happened except for a handful of people. Yeah. But the general understanding was that you know, Target was this larger um, organization with multiple divisions. Something happened somewhere else and basically just pulled the entire uh, company down overnight, and that meant the gaming division went poof as well. Gone. Wow. Yeah. And so since then, there's been a couple uh, additional um, additions. There was a company called Excelsior who produced um, Ultimate Warzone nearly right after the end of second edition Warzone. Okay. They got the license really quickly. Um uh, it's a company called Protos produced a version called Warzone Resurrection. I think that's been about eight, nine years ago. I think now they first started right. production, um, and then and then they you know that license went kaput after a while. So then yeah, so ultimately the opportunity comes to us, and you know we chose the name Warzone Eternal because one thing that has been obvious about this is that this game and the uh, the passion for it has just continued, regardless right. of the fact that games have come and gone, miniatures lines have come and gone, uh, responsible publishers for the game have come and gone. The fans are there, and you know, the opportunity to continue to develop it is still there. Yeah, and it should go on for the rest of eternity. But you know, we <laughs> yeah, whether Resnova's involved or not, right? I mean, the, yeah, the desire is to see this this world continue to exist so that people can play in it, right? Well, I so I have a prediction on on Resnova and the Warzone Eternal thing is I think Resnova is going to go supernova and blow up and everybody's going to be like that's a, that's going to be a known property, known di- a known company out on, in the gaming space. I, you know, I I just like that that word. You're going to be a supernova. Fan. I already am a supernova. I'm a fan of Resnova, thus making me supernova, uh, as all fans are. I'm Chopper. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. From Mobile Armor Radio. And you are listening to Dead Zone the Podcast with Rick and Brian in the morning. Never heard of it. <laughs> I don't even know who those guys are. <laughs> so, yeah, once you get all your supernovas, what are you going to do with Mutant Chronicles um, Warzone Eternal that hasn't been done before? Or are you guys just kind of taking what's there and building on it? So, the first desire, right, is to just get a game that's in production. Yeah, we, we want we want people to be able to to get into the universe in the way that I really first got into it, which is through a miniatures game. Okay. Um, so once we've established that, 
the universe that this game is set in is huge. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of places that were completely Yeah, you brought a stack of books for yeah. me to check <laughs> yeah, out. And I'm exactly. like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. there's more to this than I thought. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the amount of written material for, for Warzone or that Warzone is based on is, is pretty significant. So let's start exploring that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. So first edition Warzone had a book called Dark Eden, which was about what does Earth look like, right? Because the corporations, for the most part, we're just not going back to Earth, right? It's an yeah. irradiated wasteland. They abandoned people there when they left, right? <laughs> it's, but but you go back, and you start realizing, oh, geez, the Dark Legion that 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 extra dimensional force that had coursed through the solar system when um, one of the corporations had broken that seal. Yeah, um, th- th- they're all over Earth now, right? They've <laughs> they've complete humanity has abandoned Earth. Okay, cool. We're going to use we're going to use it. We're yeah. taking it. So th- there was a book, and it was cool, and it established some of what was going on on Earth. But you know, let's really explore that. Yeah. Um, you know, let's dive into the various war zones. I mean, the game was called War Zone, right? But yep. but we didn't really get to see what a lot of the war zones were like. We didn't get to see how war zones were different, right? Mars is this you know giant red desert. Yep. Um, even when it's been terraformed, right? So it, you know, there's these you know <laughs> massive like trench um, lines surrounding Dark Legion citadels, and they're in, like this perpetual state of warfare. Venus huh. is this like steaming jungle planet, and so there's you know there's a oh that's kind of cool yeah and there's like this archipelago there, and it's very it's very much got this you know World War II Pacific theater kind of a, a feel to <laughs> nice. it. So I mean it's it's awesome, right? The, yeah. It, each one of these planets, uh, Mercury, where the Mishima Corporation is based, is completely underground because it's so close to the sun. They cannot terraform the surface. Huh. So you've got this, these massive caverns that have been hollowed out underneath. They're filled with cities, right, you know, as big as New York City and, you know, massive <laughs> under, under Everything underground oceans. Yeah. I mean, so they're cool, right? They're yeah. really, really cool settings. So, so let, let's go play in there. Let, let's figure out, you know, how do we take uh, a rule system that you know Brian CP Steele and I have developed and and use that solid system as the basis to now start going off into exploring all, of, yeah. all the different exactly spots that you didn't get a chance to explore when you were a kid playing it exactly right sweet so so that's what we want to do with the the miniatures game but i mean if we get the opportunity let's make board games again let's make card games again let's do it all do everything <laughs> puzzles puzzles <laughs> puzzles exactly. Yes, just a, a Razid smiling. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. That yeah. sounds amazing. All right. Col- coloring books. Coloring, coloring books. books. All right. I mean, I mean, we can go down the merchandise hole, but let's, do, let's save that for another time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So right now you've got a lot going on as Rasnova because you guys are ramping up for Adepticon. Yeah, we are. So Adepticon. Like you and Rick. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Adepticon will be the first show that Resnova is at showing off Warzone, right? Again, we've been at other shows yeah. before, but this will be the first time that we are actually stepping in front of a crowd and saying, this is Warzone Eternal. Nice. And so we'll be showing off um, a bunch of our prototype figures. Okay. The figures that will be going in the various starter boxes that will be part of the Kickstarter. Um, and we'll be running demos all weekend long. And we've got a bunch. Rick's got a bunch of cool ideas for. Fun <laughs> Rick has things. cool ideas. He always has ideas. I mean, we're gonna, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a fun way, not just to show off the game, but also to uh, introduce people to Resnova, 
as yep. a publisher, right? All, and uh, maybe put some cool stuff in their hands. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yep. Um, and uh, build up on some social media stuff. And uh, <laughs> one of the things I'm, I'm super excited about uh, being a part of that and being a part of the Resnova and helping out as, as, as I can is uh, we get to play on a really cool table. We do. Uh, I haven't seen pictures of it yet. I Wait, have, who's building uh, your table? Yeah. You have? Yeah. God. Yeah. I, who's doing the yeah. table? No, you, you go ahead and say. Okay, I wasn't, you know. Yeah, sure. it's a, it's a, it's a, who's uh, doing the table? <laughs> uh, so, so Dave Taylor. Who, Seriously? Yep. Yeah. So Dave, uh, of course, this is the Adepticon I'm missing. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, and, oh and, my God. And Dave Taylor, for anybody that knows out, uh, like if you've been to Gen Con or if you've been to PAX Unplugged in the last year, or and, and gone to the Games Workshop ta- uh, uh, yeah. booth, gone to Modiphius, Modiphius yep. uh, you would have seen his work. Yep. Yeah. So, so Dave is a a legend in the uh, tabletop miniatures gaming um hobby i remember the was introduced to him last year i was like well geez i don't i don't know if i dressed appropriately for this <laughs> um but no he's he's a an absolute genius hobbyist um you know his his converted um kind of kit bashed armies that he's produced yeah. for 40k over the years are legendary he's produced books about you know painting and yes, producing. yeah and then and then he's also an incredibly talented um, terrain builder, yeah. and so yeah, he did a he did a table for Modiphius last year at Gen Con. Two, two, he did two. Oh, did you do the Fallout one he too? Did Fallout and uh, Elder, Elder Scrolls. Scrolls. Yeah, yeah the, the Elder Scrolls one was utterly amazing. Yeah, and so Brilliant. so yeah, so we, you know we had the opportunity to talk to Dave about this, and nice. he was totally on board. So yeah, so Dave will be knocking out the table that we'll be running Warzone demos on. That is so awesome. Yeah, I, I've you always got to get video. Oh, of course. Because yeah, I gonna, need to we're, see We're going to get lots of content for the booth uh, and, and people demoing the game and everything. Right uh, and, and holding up, you know, the walkaways that they might get. Yep. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that. But um, <laughs> I used to paint with Dave on a show f- for almost three years. Twice a week, we'd sit down for an hour and we'd paint <laughs> miniatures, him and I. And I've never played on one of his tables. Oh, so I'm really oh, excited wow. okay. to, to be able to demo a game that I'm helping with in the weird capacity that I, I do stuff hey, yep. uh, <laughs> on one of his tables and everything. So I'm, that's it's a geek out moment for me. Even though he's a friend, I'm a, I'm still a fan of well, Dave, right? Yeah. So to, to be able to do that's pretty cool. And to, to have Dave do something for, for Resnova, for Warzone Eternal, that's... That's pedigree right there, and and, and cloud. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, for for Warzone and for for Resnova. Like, yeah, yeah. We have a Dave Taylor table, and people are like, "Oh shoot." Yeah, I mean, there's no no question that Resnova has been really fortunate in the uh, in the friends that we've made mm-hmm. and the other people who've shown an interest in what we're doing. Yeah. Um. It. I mean, it, it helps it helps rise all raise all of us up, right? I mean, that, it gives us definitely. a chance to do cooler stuff. Um. You know, have rules developed by people who have you know written. A, an absolute library's worth of uh, games. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's been it's been cool. I mean, obviously, working on Warzone is super exciting to me, just because. Sure. Again, I love this universe, but the opportunity to get to work with a bunch of people who I've known, um, you've at arm's reach as a hobbyist. Yep. Um, it, that that's been a really cool experience as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, on. well, he mentioned earlier Matt Forbeck as an example. So Matt has done content within the Warzone in the Mutant Chronicles world or verse in the past. <laughs> And as someone who has 
I, I think it's kind of neat how much he's also embraced and supported uh, what you've got going on and the, the folks within this space that are like being good cheerleaders, right? And they want to see the success of it come come to fruition. That's awesome. Through your efforts and the efforts of the team you put together. Yeah, I think there's you know, there's a lot of people who you know, just generally love the universe because they had some level of involvement with sure. it. But I think there's also just with a lot of these people when they got the opportunity to experience it in whatever capacity that they did, they're like, this is really cool. Right. And I think all of those people, they just want to see this IP succeed. Succeed, you know? yeah. yeah. They just want to see something cool come out of this. They want to see more people playing in this universe again because it's, it's a place that they thought was was fun. And, yeah. and you know, it's a shame that you know, more people have not gotten a chance to experience it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like more people at Adepticon are going to get to experience it. Yeah, yeah, we know. First hand. Yeah, no, <laughs> swing by uh, booth 904. 904. 904. All right. So we'll be easy. we're a corner booth, so it'll be easy to oh, find. Oh, perfect. So, yep. And yeah, to play the game, check out the figures, talk to us about what we're doing, how we're doing, handling, you know, their perhaps once upon a time favorite universe. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Turn it into your favorite universe again. Absolutely. And then the weekend after that, if you come out to C2E2, if, if maybe Adepticon isn't on your calendar, but you can make it to C2E2, yeah. swing by the Paint and Take Arena in the vendor hall, and, okay. I'll, and I'll be there at, at that one as well. And there might be a Warzone miniature that you can paint. Oh. Which is going to be really cool. Yeah, right Rick, on. Rick is not allowed to leave Chicago. <laughs> right. Just, he, he's getting <laughs> yeah, there, he's and we're just there. leaving him there. Yeah, that's right. It's a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, keeps me there. And um, then... And then what? What's the date on the Kickstarter again? So yeah, that, that's the next piece. So this, you guys are doing a Kickstarter for this? Absolutely. So yeah, we had we had uh, done a Kickstarter last year and realized that you know what, there are some things about this that we could do better, and so we've spent the last nine months, eight months, uh, doing just that. And so we're, okay. we're we're coming back to Kickstarter in May. Oh the sweet! Exact date has not been okay. announced just because there's some. There's some logistic things that we need to sure. figure out there, um, but it will be in May, so okay. just about just about a year from when we did the last one, and so we're going to use every single day that we have available to us to to refine this and try to create something that that, that really hopefully is responsive to what the fans want, but yeah. even more so, really what I would like to see. Sure. So. I mean, it is your child now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm the curator for you're it the right curator. Now. Okay, it's yeah. No, it, there there's a lot of people who, um, you have worked on this property for a long time, and I think that's, is not to sound like you know sappy here, but but the reality is, it doesn't matter what edition of the game you might have first encountered Warzone. Yeah. It doesn't matter which edition of the game that you like the best, um, or which edition you absolutely despise. All of the people who have worked on these various editions all did so because they loved this universe. And so, right. That's we, a perfect reason to work on them. Exactly. Yeah. And so I do not want to look at it and say, oh, this is my baby. No, no. I'm just the next person <laughs> who gets to work on it. Yeah. Everybody who got to work on this in the past, every one of those first people has contributed to the creation of this thing. And so, so yeah, no, it's that's a really well, awesome way to look you, at it too. Yeah, you're the current torchbearer. Yeah, exactly. Torchbearer. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I like absolutely. that. Works. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, as the torchbearer, what do you think about coming back on Dead Zone the podcast more to talk about Warzone Eternal as you get closer to the Kickstarter 
as the Kickstarter is going and let the fans of our show learn some more about Warzone Eternal and potentially jump in as well. Uh, yeah, no, as long as you guys will have me, I will be here. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I again, I, I love this universe, so the opportunity to sit around and talk to uh, other gamers about this universe, yeah. anytime. We're only going to limit it to once a month, because that's all we can handle. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's how many times a month yeah. this podcast yeah, exactly. is broadcast. Okay. Well, right. you know, for now. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, if you find me sitting outside the door a couple days early, yeah. just, like, you know, throw me a bottle of water. Well, <laughs> what, what, what that tells me is, like, your wife got mad. <laughs> You're just going to come hang out with Rick. Exactly. Right? Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for coming down and being on the show with us. Uh, we can't hear, wait to hear from you soon. Um, you have social medias for Resnova. Yep. It's pretty much everything. It's uh, Resnova Games. Resnova Games. Okay. I'll make sure. I'll make sure Brian puts that in the show notes because, yeah, I'm not editing this. Brian is doing all of that. I'll send it to Brian. He'll do that and put our social media on there, your social media on there, some Thunderford Studio on there. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, with Uh, that, I also think it's pretty funny that Brian, as a punishment for not being here today, (laughs) gets to do all that work. (laughs) Well, it's part of how the podcast works. Oh, Oh. okay. he does all the smart work, and I just sit there. <laughs> nice. And look and pretty. The pretty work. And it, <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> well, thank you guys again. Uh, have a great night, and don't forget to check us out on all the social medias.